homage to the Buddha, Dhamma, and the Sangha. This is a guided meditation of the Bhaktupama Sutta, which is the simile of the cloth. In the Sutta, the Buddha asks us to contemplate the mental stains that cloud the mind and obstruct it from concentration. So there's a knowledge pathway in this Sutta that when we clean for the 16 mental stains, one can easily concentrate the mind. And if we can easily concentrate the mind, this is also a prerequisite for loving-kindness meditation, cultivating metta. Many of the obstructions that are in the sutta make it difficult to actually cultivate loving-kindness. When you start doing this meditation, initially you start looking at the superficial parts of the practice about one's conduct and what one breeds in the mind. But as you cultivate this meditation more, what you find is that there is a deeper part to this meditation and it's really about correcting one's view. Usually most of us operate from wrong view and what we're trying to do in each of the meditations that the Buddha is teaching us, including this one, is to start to actually cultivate the right view, to clean it up, to correct it, to practice the right view. So I'll guide the meditation by going through the 16 upakilesas or mental stains. I'll give little prompts as to what each of the lessons are and then prompt to actually help you do the cleaning and after each step it's actually quite wise to make a strong determination for the purposes of doing this meditation now to abandon any of these mental stains the idea is not to worry about whether one can do it outside of the meditation that comes later but for the meditation itself, it's good to make a determination for what we're meditating on now, that it, it is to be abandoned, that it is a hindrance to being able to concentrate the mind, as the Buddha has, has stated. And also, if one wants to cultivate metta, it's good to clean these up. To, it's to be abandoned in order to cultivate metta, loving-kindness. So we begin. The first upakilesa is abhija visimalova. So this is the covetousness and greed. What is this mental stain? Essentially it's when we covet things. When the mind says, I want this, I wish it were mine. So you recall examples from the present or from the past where this mental stain has been present where you've said I wish that house were mine I wish that knowledge were mine I wish that person's 
partner was mine. I wish that parking space was mine. Whatever it is, big or small. Clean it up. And by cleaning, what we're trying to do is actually to acknowledge that this stain has been present and it's not useful to the path and to the cultivation of this meditation and therefore it's to be abandoned. So take a few moments to pull up some examples. See how the mind gets tight when it goes into the wanting, coveting, Make a strong determination to abandon covetousness and greed when you have those examples come to mind. At a deeper level, with greater wisdom, what one sees, and when you've done this meditation many times, when we misapprehend that there is Subha, bear in the fowl, particularly with the physical form, with things, we often think that we can get happiness once we have them without understanding the first noble truth. If you see that, and you recognize that Poverty and greed is to be abandoned. Make a strong determination for this meditation to abandon coveting and greed. The second Upagilesa is Diapada or ill will. This is like a mental hate that comes to the mind, a form of mental resistance. Quite often it is present throughout the day. 
when something happens in the present or in the past that we haven't liked and we resist. It could be when we're driving, traveling, at work, at school, at home, meeting up with people or groups, attending different events, It's a real obstruction to this path because it can escalate from ill will to more. So whatever examples come to mind where there has been ill will, maybe in response to the news or to something that happened in your day, acknowledge that it's not helpful, it's a hindrance mind tightens and gets very uncomfortable, clouds the mind. Bring up those examples and make a determination for this meditation to abandon them. The third upakilesa is krodha, which is anger. And this is usually an escalation from ill will or biapada. Usually we've resisted something, something that hasn't gone our way or we haven't liked, or someone has done something and we misapprehend. Usually the thought that comes to the mind is, this person is harming me. If it's in the past, the thought is, this person has harmed me, hurt me. In the present, this person is harming me, this person is hurting me. And there may also be a sense of, in the future, this person will harm me, will hurt me. So, bring to mind any examples of things that have happened to you in recent times or in the past, just to acknowledge that this kind of abiding is actually a huge cloud in the mind. This is the mind that if it's imbued with anger, it's very difficult to cultivate metta. So, Acknowledging when there has been anger present or there is anger present. What it does is it helps to dissolve it. So spend a few moments examining, seeing whether there's anything there of that nature. 
And in order to cultivate this meditation, make a strong determination to abandon it. At a deeper level, what we misapprehend is when we expect people to behave in a particular way, when we expect a particular amount of sukha in how we live our lives, control our lives, anger arises when it doesn't go our way. In the ultimate sense, the Buddha says, when we are born, we're born with an expectation of being able to control our lives and achieve some sense of happiness, even lasting happiness. And in this ultimate sense, we're sorely disappointed, if not angry, because we are confronted with old age, sickness and death. So in that ultimate sense, you can see where the anger comes from when you don't get what you want when you see your dear ones depart, get sick and depart, when we're faced with the same predicament. These are the things that obstruct our minds at a view level when we think people are harming us and that they will harm us. So make a strong determination to abandon this. Come to the fourth upakilesa, which is upanaha or hostility. Usually, what you find is this is an escalation from anger, where you start holding grudges, labeling people through misapprehending physical form. So, think of any grudges that one might hold against certain people and situations or how one can label people this person is this way and this person is that way when we do that we don't see things clearly and there's an injustice boxing people into these labels. 
this can be a huge obstruction to concentrating the mind and ultimately also to cultivating metta to different kinds of people. So take a few moments to look at where you may hold grudges or label and make a determination to abandon these examples of where you have done so for this meditation. In a deeper sense, the labels, the grudges fall away and we recognize and realize that we are all brothers and sisters in the same predicament of old age, sickness and ultimately death. We are all bound to samsara if we don't uproot the taints, if we don't fulfill the Four Noble Truths, which includes the Eightfold Path. The fifth Upakilesa is Makkha, or derogation. Usually the easiest way of remembering this is when you take away the good qualities of a person. Usually there's a sense of ownership in why you would do that. One might reduce one's good deeds in another person or reduce their skill or knowledge in a particular area, reduce their achievements, if there's anything in your past or present where you've done so, acknowledge those and for the purposes of this meditation abandon them, recognize that such a mental stain will lead to actually worse stains in the mind. It's a very unwholesome thing to reduce someone's good qualities.
as a pettiness to it, therefore should be abandoned. Some examples could come from when you're at work and someone gets a promotion that you thought should have been yours or a salary increment that should have been yours or it was greater than yours and you assumed it should, yours should be the same or it could be at school where someone perhaps did better than you But in all cases, you didn't feel they deserved it and so you cut down the fact that they performed well, achieved something. So such things are to be abandoned. They actually tighten the mind, reduce it to a very petty kind of state. Unwholesome in nature. Making it difficult to concentrate the mind. The sixth uvakilesa is palasa, or disparaging. Usually this comes from preferences and measuring. There's a sense of divisiveness when you measure. And so there may be examples that come to the mind now where in the past or present you have divided people. Usually it's based around labels, like if you like versus dislike certain people, if you prefer uh, certain types of people at work in certain groups, or if you prefer one group over another group. Palasa or divisiveness also happens in families, where people play favourites. So if any of these things ring true for you, know that they come from a place which is very narrow and will prevent the cultivation of metta. And in actual fact, with such a mental stain, it leads to divisive speech and, and certain actions which are very unwholesome. So it's important to acknowledge where there has been such a mental stain of disparaging and for this meditation make a strong determination not to have it now The seventh upakilesa is Issa, or envy. The way to remember this is, he has, I haven't, she has, I haven't, he can, 
I can't. She can. I can't. Usually one is jealous of something. Although it seems unlikely that one has this particular mental stain, the world is quite imbued with this at the moment because it's a very material world. So there's certain environments and situations where this stain can arise. When you're in a shopping centre, when you're attending an event, in a social environment, even when you're visiting a house. Sometimes even when you're driving on the road, you might see something in someone. And there's this idea that he or she can and I can't, he or she has and I haven't. Maybe when you're going through social media, or watching the news, or dealing with family members or work colleagues. can even be in dumbness when someone has a proficiency and you lack or you perceive your lack. Envy or jealousy can arise rather than the opposite which is like a sense of mudita, sympathetic joy. When one is happy for others and their successes and achievements, that's the opposite of envy. And if you look at the texture of the mind, it's very different. So one has to abandon where there is envy or jealousy. Make a strong determination for this meditation. The eighth mental stain is Macharya or stinginess. In the suttas, Buddha talks of five different kinds of stinginess. Lava Macharya, which is stinginess in gain. Avasa Macharya, which is stinginess in abode or dwellings. Kula Macharya, which is stinginess with family or groups. Vana Macharya, which is stinginess in relation to reputation or virtues and Dhammamacharya, which is stinginess in relation to knowledge, ideas, the doctrine. So with this, go through each of the five and consider any examples in where one has been stingy or selfish in any of these five areas. 
Buddhist path is one of aloba, non-greed, which means there's a certain amount of nikama, which is like the renunciation, the giving up, giving. So when one is stingy, it's a real obstruction to the path because it's encouraging the law of attraction, the root of greed. So bring forth any examples in the past or present in relation to gains, our abode, our families, our virtue or reputation, and ideas or knowledges where we have been stingy. And make a strong determination to abandon for this meditation, this mental stain. So stinginess in gain is where we may not have shared our profits. These profits could be materially, or they could be also knowledge or tips. In terms of abode or dwellings, when we are stingy around our homes, not opening them up for guests, friends, family. And with family or clans, when we show particular preference around certain people or groups, but not to others. And reputational virtue, we may be very protective of our own reputation in particular ways, or even towards our virtue, how we hold our virtue without compromise, a sense of rigidity there. And with ideas or Dhamma Macharya, where we have knowledge about things but we don't share that, whether it's at work or school or with uh, other groups, we hold back certain information, certain knowledges. So if any of those things ring true, they are to be abandoned for this meditation. So 
So then number nine is Maya or hypocrisy, sometimes also like a pretentiousness. This is where we pretend to have more virtue than we have or more knowledge than we have. It's when we hold ourselves out in a hypocritical way but what is hidden is that we are not really that, what we show to the world, not fully. So there might be areas at work or with our families, with our friends, where we pretend. It may be pretending we're happy when we're not happy. It may be pretending that we're more successful than we really are. It may be pretending that we are more proficient at certain skills or even meditation than we really are. There's a trickery there, a deceit. And so Buddha recommends that this is a huge hindrance to the path because one is lying. So recall any things in the past or even in the present where this is the case. And for this meditation, abandon them and make a strong determination not to breed this kind of mental stain. So then we have number 10, which is sahata or fraud. Usually this is an escalation from even the trickery where we're actually uh, defrauding people. In a mundane sense, this is literal fraud. We're literally taking what's not been given, deceiving others and actually profiting or gaining from it. If there's any examples, then recall those and understand that this is very limiting and should be abandoned. In a deeper sense, the Buddha says that the greatest fraud is actually taking samsara as the king, which means that one is lessening nibbana. Whereas Buddha says the greatest gain, the greatest profit in the world is actually nibbana. So when we raise anything other than nibbana, which is the ultimate fraud, the ultimate deception, then we are cultivating the wrong view. So that's the deeper sense. But in other ways in our daily lives, it's good to actually clean up 
any ways that you may be fraudulent. And they do happen. There are examples. One may be at work and taking extra stationery. One may be profiting when purchasing things on behalf of others. Or it may also be uh, something deeper around Dhamma practice. Whatever those examples are, make a strong determination to abandon, to correct the view, and to cultivate the opposite, more purity in this meditation. The eleventh of the kilesa is tamba, or mental rigidity, sometimes also called stubbornness. It's good to recall that tamba, or mental rigidity, often arises in disputes and arguments. It's when one is very fixed on a position or view, and won't budge from that view. It's the source of most arguments in the home, over very small things, to arguments at work, over maybe slightly light, larger things, and even when it comes to Dhamma debates around all kinds of topics that the Buddha has taught, the mind gets very tight, it actually eventually gets very angry. And so this is not a mental quality that one needs to breed. In fact, it should be abandoned. So recall any instances where this has occurred. It doesn't have to be everything, but just a few in order to make an acknowledgement of it and to make a determination to abandon for this meditation. The twelfth of the kilesa is saramba, or competition, sometimes also called presumption. This is a very worldly quality. You see it in sports, you see it at work, you even see it within families among siblings and, and uh, extended family. 
concerned friendships as well. It actually creates a certain kind of experience or feeling when it comes to competition that hinders the practice. So if there's any examples or instances in the past or present where there has been competition, for the meditation, make a strong determination to abandon this mental state. If one has competition in the mind, it's very difficult to cultivate metta or to even concentrate the mind. The thirteenth upakilesa is mana or conceit. This is where one thinks one is the same as someone else. Usually conceit arises, particularly where it may be with a knowledgeable person or even with a noble person where you've reduced them in order to raise oneself. It's also an escalation to arrogance or atimana, where one thinks you're better than someone else. On the Dhamma path, conceit and arrogance are a huge hindrance. It hinders our ability to take heed of the Buddha's actual teachings. It makes it difficult for us to be easy to instruct. We become difficult to instruct. There's a tightness in the mind. One doesn't listen. One isn't gentle. And one, in terms of conceit and arrogance, particularly in the suttas, what you find is that one is not vigilant when it comes to the worldly dangers. And so that's why it's a huge hindrance to the practice. The attitude of conceit and arrogance is that it's going to be okay, I can manage it, I can tolerate it, it will be okay. I'm better than anybody else at this practice. I can withstand anything in Mara's realm. I can tolerate it and I can make it good at the end. In this way what it leads to is often a slippage in one's conduct, mental conduct, verbal conduct and physical conduct, which are hindrances to being able to cultivate a higher concentration and hinders being able to cultivate metta. So recall any situations at work, at home, when you're attending meditation retreats, 
for you on the road, for you out and about. Where you breathe conceit and arrogance in daily life. Make a strong determination to abandon it for this meditation. Make a strong determination for the right you. So number 15 is mother or vanity. Buddha in the sutta says there are three types of vanities. The first is arogya, mother which is around health, yogana mother which is around youth, and divita mother which is around life. So this is where we have some kind of vanity around maybe our good health present at the moment or whether we are young, still young, or still look young. Or even sometimes with age, it's superior knowledge and experience due, due to older age, more runs on the board. And Divita Mother, about life, like the type of life we have created, the type of wealth we have accumulated, the type of knowledges we have accumulated, the type of lifestyle, these are areas where we, in an ultimate sense, misapprehend this world and this body. In that deeper sense, what Buddha is saying is we are all subject to old age, sickness and death. So when it comes to health, youth, life, in an ultimate sense, that is what we are contending with. So what is there to be vain about? So when it comes to this particular mental stain, call to mind any examples, any instances where one has had the idea of vanity towards one's health. Like when you hear someone has a diagnosis of a terminal illness and one says, oh, thank God it's not me. Well, I have good health. Everybody else is getting sick during flu season or youth I still look, look young people think I'm 10 years younger than I am or maybe if one's older I am more superior because I have more wealth of experience and knowledge and life maybe one feels one's lifestyle is superior to others whether it's simple or very complicated. These are not the ways that Buddha encourages us to cultivate and breed. So recall any examples and make a strong determination for this meditation to abandon them. 
And the final one is Tamata or heedlessness. This final one is actually where we turn away from the path, the Noble Eightfold Path, where we turn away from the truth that Buddha is teaching us, where we indulge in the world, take delight in the world, when we allow others to pull us away from the truth, or where we pull others away from the truth. This is also like keeping wrong company. Tamada usually is when we actually relax our physical conduct, our verbal conduct and our mental conduct. Dasa Akusala, Buddha strongly discourages Dasa Akusala the ten unwholesome conduct. What Buddha encourages is the ten wholesome conduct, which is what is needed to cultivate metta. Heedlessness leads to increasing our ignorance. And so examples to call to mind are where one has veered off the Dhamma path, taking too many risks in terms of heedlessness, indulging in the world, distracting in the world. Just pick a few examples and for this meditation make a strong determination to correct the view, to stay on the path and to abandon this mental state. So this is the end of the guided meditation, but I would suggest that if you still have time to go back through the list of 16 and take some time around each of them. We all have these 16 dukkapilesas or mental stains. They can be present at any time and can arise at different times during the day depending on what we are doing. And we have certainly cultivated or bred these mental stains in the past. So Buddha says that when we clean these stains from the mind, when we correct the view from which we are reading these stains, one has a better chance of being born in a happy destination rather than an unhappy destination. And it's also very important when we cultivate metta, that these stains have been lifted, that we have, for the purposes of meditation, that we have made an attempt to abandon them, made effort, which is what we're doing in this meditation. So go through the 16 when you have time, or now, and just recall some of those examples, and by acknowledging them, 
you clean them up, and you make a strong determination to abandon them in order to concentrate the mind. In doing this meditation, the mind relaxes, the mind loosens its grip on the tightness of greed, hatred and delusion. At the end of this meditation, one should feel lighter. One has heeded the Buddha's words, acknowledged where there has been mental stains, and these should be lifted for this time. And when you finish the meditation, share the merits with all sentient beings. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings realize the true happiness of Nibbana. May all beings be well.